This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episodes of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill and I'm today joined by Paul Wheeler and Chris Beasley to look back on Everton's disappointing 2-1 Premier League defeat to Manchester United at Goodison Park on Sunday evening. It was a game that couldn't start any better for the Blues as they took the lead inside five minutes for Alex Orobi, but mistakes were pounced on by a clinical United side who claimed all three points and brought an abrupt end to Everton's seven-game unbeaten run. Bees, I'll start with you because you were alongside me in the press yeah. box at Goodison for the game on Sunday. In all, <coughs> it was a pretty disappointing evening for the Blues, wasn't it? After a, br- a bright start, yeah. we're punished. Yeah, it was disappointing, doubly disappointing, like you say, because of the way they, they started the game. We knew it was going to be tough because Manchester United, let's not forget... You know, the sort of players that got on that pitch there, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the substitutes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even with. in the starting lineup. Um, some would say the greatest player of all time. Certainly, he's got to be in the in the conversation for anything like that. And uh, that's another that's another debate. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, another day. Um, but yeah, regardless, he's not too shabby, is he? Even at nearly thirty-eight. Um, so yeah, so we know. I mean, we, but on the same token, United were the. For the taking, they've been beaten 6-3 by Manchester City in the Manchester Derby just the weekend before, and we know how incredible City are this season. But, you know, it was a tough um, result for them last weekend. They sort of scraped through in, in Europe against Minnows midweek. And you'd have to hope everyone give them a good game, and it certainly looked like that was going to be the case. Um, you say just five minutes in, Crowdall shouted, shoot. Alex Awobi obliged and uh, hit the back of the net in spectacular fashion from outside the area. So that should have been... The inspiration Everton needed to to go on another famous performance under the lights against United, perhaps at Goodison forever. And remember, of course, might only uh, here's another podcast for another day. Might only be one more trip for Manchester United mm. to go to Goodison before the stadium moves. So it could have been a, another grand old night at the grand old lady. But unfortunately, yeah, the, um, mistakes again, um, unforced errors, really. Uh, Adrissa Gay that's twice now in two games. You know, as much as you sort of settle back in and you know that role that he knows so well of almost I sort of put in my piece perhaps he's a bit too comfortable in that position now and that he's done that twice now given the ball away and in the Premier League you know the speed of four opponents and you know the, the way the pace of the game is it's in the back of the net a couple of seconds later and Ronaldo just before half time killer blow terrible times to concede the goal and they were sort of very much lacking in ideas and inspiration very disjointed display um the first home defeat since the opening game of the season. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's still uh, much to admire about what's happened at Everton so far this season. Well, it was a, a reality check, I guess, and a sort of, uh, as Frank said before the game, that you know, that, that progress doesn't always go in, in a straight line. And I think uh, it was clear to see. We all be said there in terms, you know, it was a bit of a reality check for the Blues. But is it almost concerning that, you know, a familiar trend of last season in terms of individual edits once again? Really took ugly head and, and was was the reason for Everton's downfall really because although United did dominate, they didn't really carve Everton open that many that many times. And you know, like I say, you know, even some of the chances they have come of KC mistakes, they weren't, you know, cutting Everton up with free throwing great attacking football. No, no, like you know, I, I, there's no question in my mind that Man United deserves to win that game. Sadly, uh, I thought they were the better team from probably the moment they equalised on the rest of the game, bar from those last four or five minutes when. You know, put their head up a steam up and it did look like an equaliser could come. <laughs> kind of a bit mixed emotions because we were saying where we were in work was on Friday or no, it was on Sunday morning, wasn't it? We were actually, you know, uh, in our works group and uh, 
a lot of people like yourself were confident on Saturday and I was just wondering if it was the pessimistic Evertonian in me. But apart from the City game when United got absolutely destroyed, what City are doing that to most teams, United have been pretty impressive since since that kind of Brentford Brighton defeat at the start of the season. And you look at their team last night, and as you said, bring it on Ronaldo. They could have brought on Sancho. You know, they had Casemiro, Eriksen, Fernandez, Martial, Rashford, and Anthony. God knows how much all that costs. It's a real, really, really strong team, and a, in, and a team and a club that should be doing so much better than it's done in recent seasons. So on one hand, I think sometimes you have to accept that. You know what? You might come up against the better side, but you're right, Connor, and you're right, Chris. You know, first half will one up. The atmosphere is brilliant, isn't it? The stadium's bouncing. Then to give a goal away like that was was bad. And then to do it again for the second one. But let's be honest, there could have been two or three other goals that had come from mistakes. You know, you know, Guy and Wobie weren't the only players to make unforced uh, errors last night. And I was reading your Tarkovsky piece before, rightly, Connor, you saying, you know, we've got to be confident. But he also said in that, uh, be confident and be, you know, be, be positive because it's been a pretty decent start to the season after you know, a tough first 89 fixtures. But he rightly said we also have to, to look at those errors because, you know, it could, have, it, it could have cost us last week at Southampton, you know, and it definitely did cost us last night against Manchester United. And just that extra bit of quality, isn't it? You know, you know, you, as, as you rightly said, Chris, if you give the ball away in the Premier League against good players like Anthony and Martial, well, uh, uh, sorry, Anthony and Ronaldo, who's obviously one of the best players of all time, you're going to get punished. Just come away from it. Not too downhearted because I think we got what we deserved last night. And it's, as I say, it's been a good start to the season. But kind of the feeling for myself last night was that, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, But not not, not, not negative, but just a bit of a realisation. Maybe that wake up call, that reality check I was been talking about. But you think almost, you know, last night, last night's game almost highlighted the limitations Everton have still got in the squad. I mean, you know, you saw the midfield kind of didn't get on the ball and create much yeah. because I they still need maybe a ball playing midfielder. The back four, although they've done well in recent weeks, they seem to struggle with the cope of the pace of Manchester United's three forward players because it wasn't as direct as what they've probably been used to. Yeah. Do you think it was one of them nights where, like we all said, there's still work to be done and it, that work was, was abundantly clear for all to see of where Everton still needs to improve moving forward? Yeah, probably in all three areas of the pitch, like say, centre back's been a breath of fresh air, James Sarkowski and Connor Cody. Um, Tarkovsky, of course, made the error for what, what looked like it was going to be the third goal until it was eventually uh, disallowed after VAR. But you know that was a that was an individual error again, and uh, sort of Cody got left in Ronaldo's um, slipstream for for the second goal. I suppose again, no disgrace in that. That there's been plenty of players over the years of the goal number seven hundred. That there's been plenty of occasions where you know being second best to Ronaldo is no disgrace, mm. but. Yeah, on this particular occasion, they they, they, they were second best, but um, those two are going to be fine. They'll be they'll do a lot more right than they'll do wrong over the over the season. But okay, that's that's the defense midfield. Like you say, for that creativity there, and uh, Anana did well at times in sort of nipping in using those telescopic long legs of his, but in an intelligent way, not just using his physicality, but actually being clever about it as well. And obviously, that was a well timed. Uh, Nick of Casemiro, who went on to do really well in the game um, early on, to put Everton ahead. But then um, up front as well, um, Neil Mope has been fight, um, playing off scraps for a, for a while now. Obviously, he got his goal against West Ham United, but it was similar against Southampton last weekend. He was taking the fight to them, but not really getting a lot of service. But here, 
looked from quite early on that it wasn't the solution. It was interesting. Obviously, he, he stayed on for a while. It was it was only right at the end when Rondon came on that he she left the field. But you had him and Calvert Lewin on together. But it did look like Kevin were crying out for a um, you know that in, in, that aerial um, threat against United. Um, Especially with um, you know the, the personnel that they had in there, you thought that Everton get some joy in in that area. So yeah, uh, we interested to see obviously uh, uh, just how fit Calvert Lewin is now. It's great to have him back on the pitch, but whether you know Lampard is at all tempted to to start with him at, at Tottenham uh, next weekend because um, yeah, there's uh, as you said the, the, the question marks all over the pitch. But it's it's not a case of ripping up and, and start again because it was Manchester United and it was a very expensively assemble assembled um, quality side and of course there's another one of them at Tottenham but um, yeah there's, there's going to be much uh, much easier tests in, in the weekend they won't be all quite as, as, as stern as that one we'll obviously I spoke to Michael Ball for his column in tomorrow's paper a little bit early and one thing he pointed out was you know what really disappointed him was how flat Everton looked you know he said there didn't really see much energy and much tempo and he said you know we've, we've one of the one of the lines we've gave better Manchester United team than a much tougher game in the past because we played with real energy and real desire and that wasn't really on, on show. Was you a bit disappointed how flat Everton looked because it just, you know, even after they scored, you think, you know, there's the chance to go and smell blood and, you know, right on top of United, but it just didn't they seem to go back a little bit and, you know, next thing, you, you know, they, they kind of didn't really see much of the ball and do you think, was you disappointed that they never took that initial base from the, the, the opening side five minutes and used it as a to springboard to try and you know, really kill the game. Yeah, because uh, I know earlier I was praising United and you know the, the lineup they've got. They've got some astonishing talents, haven't they? In there, but we didn't really lay a glove on them, did we? All night, apart from obviously the early goal and then the, the late kind of you know the salvo at the end where we tried to get an equaliser. It's difficult. It looked like I don't know whether we scored too early in a way uh, because it looked like Lampard had his idea not to be caught on the counter and because United. You know, they're probably, probably strength that the final the Ten Hag that they found in the Solskjaer as well. They were a fantastic counter-attacking team. Actually, two goals they scored were classic United goals. They come with a mistake, a couple of passes and it's into the net. But it looked like Lampard's aim last night was to put nine, ten men behind the ball. And let's see if this United, despite all their talent, uh, you know, have got had what it takes to, to break us down. But the fact that we allow, you know, we Everton did it for United last night. But, but even then... 1-1 uh, after, what, 15 minutes and then 2-1 for 45 minutes to, to, to get it back. And I, I think Frank Lampard's doing a really good job. I, just, I remember thinking last night, could he have brought the subs on a little bit earlier? That's not that's not a criticism of, of Lampard's team selection because I think, I remember reading you, you, you guys' uh, lineups on the Echoes website before the match and more or less everyone said the same team, you know, bar from maybe Gordon or McNeil. It, it picked itself, but there was a flatness about him, wasn't it, last night? And... Uh, I think it probably just. I looked at the bench and obviously Calvert Lewin back coming back as you just said there is such a huge boost. But you understand why Lampard's taking it easy with him. McNeil came on, but you can. You, it was kind of like nights last night where you you remembered why at the end of the transfer window we were just wondering if maybe because they got one more attacking player in because I wonder if he he'd had that other option or even say someone like Townsend was fit could have been brought on earlier. But yeah, I do I do agree. I, I think United were good. I think they I think. They did brilliantly to to bounce back the way they did after conceding that early goal. I think they played some good football, but they pressed us really well. I think they, I think they quietened. I've never seen Gordon and Gray so quiet this season. But they did the fullbacks were really good, particularly Shaw. But I just won. I think they were good, but we were poor, and that's a disappointment, really. Yeah, I agree. We did. We didn't do enough. 
the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. He's, we all touched on just then, but you know, obviously where we sit in the main stands in, in the press area, there seemed to me to be a, a growing frustration the more the second half went on. That Lamp, Frank Lampard hadn't looked to make changes. You know, he didn't yeah. didn't really change any. You know, a great Graham Gordon swapped flanks a couple of times. Yeah, but it was still the same formation. It was the same personnel. There seemed to be a real growing frustration among where we heard that he hadn't freshened it up. Was you surprised it took him so long to freshen things up? Because I think you know we also how the first half went, and when five minutes of the second half started, and no pretty much could also see it was following the the, the theme of the first half that he didn't look to maybe go for the juggle a little bit earlier. Yeah, and I mean, people I mean, around us were all saying, because went in at half-time, got to change it then, even before certain half started. So the fact that it, it went on for so long, it, it did seem a, a bit too long in, in terms of that, because it, it, it just weren't getting anything. They just weren't get, making any inroads. So it did seem pretty obvious, and we could see what the obvious change was. But I, I guess that was shaped by how much he felt Dominic Calvert-Lewin had in the tank. Maybe he thought he couldn't give 45 minutes out of him, and that... That was the reason it was interesting, obviously. That um, it was James Garner who came as close mm-hmm. as to anyone as uh, equalising on his debut, obviously against the team where he, you know, spent most of his life until and, uh, until this summer. Um, Manchester United youth product, although obviously he returned to his native Merseyside now, having you know working at ball midfielder. So that was interesting because all of a sudden it makes you wonder now. Uh, Frank Lampard's been bigging him up, um, James Garner, in terms of um, he said he wasn't ready when he first came to the club. Ideally, you know, by his own admission, wasn't much fit, but now he's, he's up to speed. So all of a sudden, that incumbent midfield, which looked like that was going to be sort of like the combination for the foreseeable future, is going to be question marks about that. I mean, interesting game was the sort of the, the instant hit signing that you know could hit the ground running. But James Garner is the long-term investment, and you just wonder where you might be seeing a little bit more of him, a bit quicker than we might have thought. But yeah, I think in terms of making the changes up front, which seemed patently obvious... Again, he's, he's obviously been careful around Calvert-Lewin. We've just got to hope that we see a lot more of him because you can't keep him wrapped in cotton wool forever, just using him a bit part player. He needs to become the main man again for, for Everton up front. So as soon as he's able to do that, the better. Well, we will come on to Calvert-Lewin a little bit more shortly. But just what he said there about James Garner coming on, I think there was a lot of eyebrows raised over that change. I don't think no, I said it wasn't what I was expecting to, to come on. Was you surprised to see him? And, and is it what we said there, an indication of perhaps he's a lot further ahead in Frank Lampard's thinking than many of us presume? Yeah, well, you know, Tom Davis didn't get on, did he? Uh, I don't think it was the Corey in the squad. Not in the squad, no. The squad, you know, and I know obviously his contract's coming to an end before too long, isn't it? He's obviously a signing for the future, but as Frank said himself on numerous occasions, he's a signing for now. And I, I think he. I think Calvert-Lewin doesn't have to prove anything. He just needs to prove his fitness, doesn't he? He doesn't have to prove his ability. Whereas Garner's trying got to try and make a mark for his uh, for his new club. And I, but I thought he did well last night. You know, I thought he was very lively. He was so lucky with that cross or shot, whatever it was, towards the end that De Gea saves. And I just wonder if, you know, on nights like those, when, you know, Morpai was feeding on scraps, wasn't he? He worked hard, but he didn't really have a chance all night. And Gray and particularly Gordon, were, were kind of, you know, we're, we're played out the game. We need more from midfield, don't we? I know Gav was saying it on a, a recent podcast that I was on with you guys. And, you know, Anana looks like he may get a goal from a set piece or in a box. You know, Guy, as we know from his initial spell at the club, he's not going to score many. A Wobie, if he can add that to a game like he did last night, it's great. 
But there was something there with him as well last night with Ghana. And I think, as you said in your analysis piece this morning, Chris, that uh, maybe, you know, Adrissa Ghana guys is, is slotted in really nicely, but there's no getting away from it. The last couple of games, he's made two big mistakes, got away with it by the response at Southampton. But last night he cost us. And there was there was another occasion, wasn't he, where he gave the ball away as well. Oh, so yeah. it, it's, it's nice to have that midfield option then. You know, Tom Davis hasn't let anyone down when he's played this season. But from looking at it last night when you're chasing a, chasing a goal and he put James Garner on and I think in that little cameo he, he proved that he could be a, you know be a, could be could be a decent addition to the squad because he looked like scoring on a couple of occasions. He's just not on the changes from because of all there was plenty of talk off the changes Jordan again. There was one before the game since Frank Lampard started and apparently Gordon coming back in for Dwight yeah. McNeil. I was just surprised to see McNeil drop out after last weekend against Southampton because you know he did he did score against the day. You know, he, he did look to as the more the game went on after Southampton, he grew into it, he got better. I was you surprised to see him, you know, taking out the, the start now after last weekend? I was. Um I, I felt he'd done enough. I was obviously I was down on the South Coast with Joe, watched that game live at, at St Mary's and he sort of grew into the game. Um it wasn't so spectacular early on, but obviously boosted by that goal that he got and put on a real solid performance. So, to be honest, I thought that Damani Gray might be the one to, to miss out. I can understand why Gordon came straight back in, you know. He's gone into this season as, as the main man, you know. We, we all sort of uh, thought he might be on his way to Chelsea in the latter days of the, the, the transfer window, but after keeping him at Goodison, it was a major boost for everyone. And you can understand why he's gone straight back in, but I just felt that maybe it would be great to drop out and uh, McNeil to retain his... his his place, but as it was, it was um, Anthony Gordon really who, who really struggled. Like as, as as Paul says, both the wide men were kept quiet, and I thought Gordon in particular had a, had a tough night. Obviously, he picked up the booking as well, which means he's he suspended for the trip to Tottenham Hotspur, and then I mean that's not good at all. Um, just nine games into the season, you know, a, an attacking player who's a winger stroker, false number nine first couple of games of the season, but you know to have picked up five bookings. Already, I don't think that's too too clever. So you know, we're about um, Gordon for the next game now. But a few readers who uh, picked up on our story on that today have said that that might not necessarily be the worst thing in the world. Maybe just take him out the picture for a week because that's been the thing so so far. Anthony Gordon's come so far in such a short space of time. I think I mean, about twelve months ago, we were even discussing was he even going to make it at, Ever- at Everton. So that shows you how far he's come since then. To establish himself as a, a regular last season, and the thing was, they couldn't ever really take him out last season because they didn't have the personnel to replace him. He was so important to the team. Now that they do have, you know, that extra option in there, you know, it, it, it might actually help in Anthony's um, long-term um, development. Just you know, not having to be put in ninety minutes all the time, take him out here, use him there, bring him off the bench, what, whatever. That actually might be better for him. It's the way that um, I know he's a bit younger, but that's the way David Moyes. Played Wayne Rooney when he was first um, coming through. He, he wasn't always, you know, playing ninety minutes. He'd come off the bench, do a bit here, do a bit there, and maybe if you've got the luxury of having those those squad options, uh, it might be actually be be helpful for both a club and player. Will was was you disappointed by, by Evans' wide plays last night, or do you think it was just a case of what you said earlier, and how well United set up and how well Shaw and, and Dallow kind of dealt with them because they didn't really get in the game, did they? And no matter what kind of Lampard done, switching them round them a little bit higher at one point they just they couldn't really get in the game they couldn't really have any sort of impact or effect on Evans attack and play no and that they're massively important to Everton aren't they because let's face it there's not many goals in this team at the moment you know I say if a we can start adding them 
great. We're, we're probably not looking at a 10 goal midfielder at the moment from one of the three or four who are, you know, among the first truces. So, and and this, probably Awobi has, has turned into a bit of a creative force this, this, this season. You know, he's always positive with his passes, but he's added actual goal assists to his game as well. But there's still a, a bit of a lack of creativity in there. So a lot of the onus falls on, on Gray and Gordon. And I thought, as I say, last night, it was the quietest get Gordon's been all season. I, I, but I get, but that that's, as, as Chris rightly said, he's still at the early stage of his career. He's still at the early stage of his development. He's not an unknown quantity anymore. And Luke Shaw had his number last night. Luke Shaw, I know he's had his ups and downs over the years, but he's clearly a good player. He's probably going to be England's left back at the World Cup. And I'd say, I thought, along with a couple of United players last night, he was one of the standout performers on the pitch. And it probably just comes back to McNeil. Is, the thing is with McNeil, I don't like the goal last week was such a big boost to him, wasn't it? But I don't think he's completely convinced yet. But that's it's still very early days in his Everton career. But what was quite encouraging, he threw a couple of crosses over last night that Calvert Lewin, you could tell he was a bit rusty, but he was he was trying to get on the end of. And I do wonder once McNeil's uh, once Calvert Lewin's in the side, I wonder if we'll see an even better McNeil because you know obviously linked up with those big strikers he had with Burnley. Maybe not so much last season, but in the seasons gone by, you know people like Ward and Barnes. Uh, and I think that, I think we may see more from McNeil than uh, I like Gray. I know it, 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 Gray's an interesting one because like. Chris said there was a couple of people around us at the game last night saying they thought they would have dropped great, but I think there's something with him. I think his end product could definitely improve, and that's why he probably was we got him for 1.5 million because if he had more on product, he cost you know God knows how much much money. But he's he's very graceful, isn't he? He's always positive. He's got great feet, and I can understand why Lampard keeps him on because I just wonder at the moment. I still I think at the moment he's more one who could, could create something out of nothing, which maybe I don't always believe with Gordon, but that's because he's a young player, you know, and. As you, as you rightly say, both of you, you know, maybe the Tottenham game is it's not the end of the world to give him a bit of a breather. You know, he's got 10 days off now, only to the Newcastle game. But there's just, yeah, they could have done better last night, but they weren't the only ones who, who probably underperformed for Everton. But I just think there's quite a lot of pressure on them. I think if they, and I think it showed last night, if they if they played out of the game, you know, we looked, we looked like we were, we were lacking ideas at times. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We all just use the word pressure there. And I think the return of one man last night on the Calvert Loon, the, the real highlight for Everton in terms mm-hmm. of positives boost. But already the pressure he's gonna be on moving forward is is huge, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, for a long time we you, you described him before, you know, the linchpin of the team or the, 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 the big centre forwards. But last night showed isn't it, that Everton are crying out for someone like him and, and he's got to hit the ground running because they can't afford any more performances yeah. like that. And the ball's got to stick when it goes up top. Yeah, um, probably more so than when he had um, that great goal scoring run when he was in the season season before last. Because um, back then he had Richarlison, he had likes of Hamas Rodriguez in the side. As we've just been saying then, there's not actually a great deal of goals. In the side, OK, they're a lot more defensively solid now. But the flip side of that is that there's, there's not a lot of other goal scorers in and around him. So it may be at times, as we saw towards the end of the game last night, it's him and Mopey actually as a pair. We don't seem to see that much in football this year. You know, generation ago, that was commonplace that you'd have a classic big man, small man combo up front and they feed off each other. Don't really see that now, but maybe that's something for Frank to explore. But whether he's got a strike partner alongside him or not, yeah, Dominic Calvert Lewin, first of all, obviously, he has to prove, prove his fitness because it's been one thing coming back now, but 
is to stay fit. That's been the problem because he was out for four months. He got injured at the end of August last season, out for four months, and then stop, start, stop, start for the second half of last season. We don't want a repeat of that. We want a prolonged run of games for him and uh, hopefully the goals can can come with that because as we said, they, you know there are wide options there. Whether it's McNeil putting the balls in uh, or Gordon or, or Gray, that he's going to have that ammunition that he can, that he can feed off. And it seemed patently obvious last night that that's whatever needed that that extra sort of aerial threat. Um, and it'll be the same against a, a lot of teams. You know, I think when he's fit and firing, Dominic Calvert Lewin's probably as good ahead of the ball as any centre forward in, in the Premier League, as aerial aerially dominant as, as anybody. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's very important, and because of the sort of lack of goals around him, perhaps even more so. Well, you know, it was important last night, wasn't it, that Calvert-Loom was involved in some way because, obviously, you know, he seemed close against West Ham, Frank Lampard, it was kind of even suggesting, you know, he could be the squad, you know, could be in contention. He didn't. Then, obviously, after that, Frank, you know, explained at length why, you know, they didn't think it was worth the risk of that international break and that two weeks could, you know, give him a bit more time. And I think everyone accepted that and thought, well, yeah, you know, Maybe what, what is the point in rushing them back? But then he had them two weeks off. And then again, going into the Southampton game, you know, Lampard was quite insistent that, oh, you won't be seeing Dom this weekend. You know, he's not, not in the squad, basically. So then it was important, was it, like he, he, he featured in some way last night because, you know, Everton fans were, were right to, to to start growing the concern, because, you know, how can a player be so close to be coming back two weeks ago to be not be in contention? They had to see some sort of progress. Oh, massively, massively for the player himself, surely. Hopefully that's that's just giving him such a, a confidence boost because it, it's clear we all know he had a bad injury in the summer, but it must be it must be tough mentally as well, because for the past year, like his his body's letting down a little bit, hasn't it? You know, in terms of because he's such a physical specimen as a centre forward and he's not been able to be the player, you know, he was before the start of last season or after those first three games. Uh, but then we've seen it against Crystal Palace, didn't we? You know, we've seen it before the sending off at home to Brentford at the back end of last season. Uh, and I thought we saw it in glimpses last night. I think there was a ball over the top and he chased it into the corner. And he, he can drag centre-backs away in a way that Mopai can't. And I think you're both right. Like, I think there's, if there's games like that last night and Calvert-Lewin's a bit fitter, there might be times where we could go 4-4-2 because I think Mopai would be better with someone else up alongside him because we don't have those kind of number 10 kind of midfielder next to a striker. Uh, I thought it was a, it was it was a great positive. I was really pleased for him as a as a player because he's been an excellent player for Everton. Uh, and, and we we shouldn't forget we've got one of the best centre forwards in England on his day. You know, apart from I, I still think Harry Kane's obviously the number one by by, by a long stretch. But if Calvert Lewin can play five or six games before you know before the inter, before the World Cup and if he can get a couple of goals and he can show his fitness, he's probably got on the plane to uh, to Qatar, won't he? Because he's he's done it for England in the past. Yeah, and I think I see you reference that Tarkovsky interview again that you did, Con. It was a big positive from last night. And that's why I think, you know, there was disappointment last night, uh, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, was it? Because, you know, we've had a good start to the season. And who knows if, if we get a Calvert Lewin back now, fully fit, and within a couple of weeks, fully firing, I think I think we'll be fine. But that is the challenge, though, Bees, isn't it, for Calvert Lewin now, is, is to stay fit. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like we've had a lot of. False storms but dominant. It's not particularly down to him, you know. Injuries happen, injuries happen in professional sport. You know, they, yeah. you know, a lot of footballs get injuries. He's always been bad luck at times, but that's the challenge from now, isn't it? To stay fit for as long as he possibly can because he, you know, even for the sake of him, probably personally and mentally, 
he can't be doing probably with him just behind the sidelines watching on his you know the impact is you know knowing he can have a growing impact on his side yeah um it's a pretty tough one because like i said uh, i remember speaking to him uh doing a piece um a few years ago and he was talking about his his, his debut when he was like, like 17 or whatever he was and he was loaned out i think it was staley bridge Celtic was, yeah. in non-league football and uh, classic non-league football. He ended the night in in A and E after a black eye of some uh, some some old school centre half. And obviously, you know, welcome to non-league football and uh, I've done him. But you know, he said he loved every minute of it, the rough and tumble of the non-league game, and it, it made him a man. And you know, he was a, a young player at um, Sheffield United coming through and uh, hadn't played any first team football there at the time. But that toughened him up, and he was always so robust. That was the thing about. Calvert-Lewin, durability, you know, he'd, he'd pick up all these bangs and bruises or whatever, and, and he'd, he'd soldier on and he wouldn't miss many games at all. But this last year or so, just crept in. So he's gone from being that, like, you think, oh, he hardly misses a game. You know, the sort of dependability we have with Tarkovsky now and uh, with Connor Cody, where you just don't expect him ever to miss a game. He was almost at those sort of levels. And then now, you're fearing, oh, you know, do we give him on 20 minutes, we give him 45, you know, is, is he going to blow up again? Yeah, so... As Paul said, I mean, it must be as it be in his mind as well as, as well as the managers um, just thinking um, how far he he's going to go. So hopefully he can put those those problems behind him now because he's been managed so carefully by Lampard. To be fair to the Everton manager, he's seen the big picture. There's been times this season, especially ahead of West Ham, when he was still requiring his first victory at the time. You know, he could have been forgiven, saying, "Come on, DCL, you're going out there, whatever. Um, we need you today." He didn't do that as Lampard's often done since he became Everton manager. He's seen the bigger picture. He's not been too obsessed with the here and now, the individual fixtures. It's more about what he needs overall. And that's how he's managed Dominic Calvert Lee. So he's got to hope that because he's been managed so astutely in, in that way, that he and Everton will ultimately reap the benefits. Well, I just want to get your, your thoughts on the way. <laughs> Seemingly dealt with the Dominic Calvert Loon situation because, you know, both John B's last week were quite strong in the defence of Frank Lampard in, in the way he sees the big picture and he's not, you know, rushed rushed on back and stuff. You, was you happy with that or did you think, you know, it was maybe not the time to be wrapping him in cotton wool and that, you know, at the end of the day, he's paid to play football and if he's fifth, he should be out there, which is the view of, of a lot of fans, a lot of Everton fans. Yeah, I can understand that. I think there was a, a guy who sat close to us at the match when, you know, I think he was ready to come on and, like, you know, he was saying, how oh, great to see him back. And they were like, yeah, about time too, kind of thing. But but I think that was a consequence of the fact that there's been a bit of a build-up, as Chris was saying a moment ago, wasn't it? And what you were saying, Connor, it's been over a period of four weeks. And I think we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, do we? You know, we, could, we have to, what we hear or what Frank Lampard tells us, you know, we don't know. We don't know exactly what's gone on there. So I'm pretty sure whatever Frank Lampard's done is the best for Everton Football Club and the best for Dominic Calvin-Lewin uh, as a player himself. So I've got no, I've got no arguments with that. But yeah, I, I think we've been helped because we've been on a good run. You know, the fact that lost and went unbeaten on the seven didn't feel that much of a rush to get him back. So I was, I've been perfectly happy. I'd, I'd rather have missed Dominic Calvin-Lewin for the, you know, the first whatever eight or nine games of the season. And then make sure he's fit for the next 15, 16, 17. And then if he picks up another knock, it's not as bad. We've got to think long term, you know, he's he's the Everton number nine and we, we need him for he fit. So if it means taking a softly, softly approach, by all means. But I think it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. Or maybe in the next couple of weeks, I might not be saying the same because we go to 
Tottenham and then Newcastle, and these are hard games. And like you know, Everton have not got the best of uh, <laughs> what is it best of records at either at either club. I think it's fair to say in recent years, and they're both playing particularly well at the moment. So you know, if we weren't to pick up points in those games, and Calvert Lewin was on on the bench and still coming on, certainly for the games after that before the World Cup break, there'll be a big call for him to play. So I think at the moment it's definitely been the right thing, but. You know, in the next couple of weeks, I think there'll be a bigger, bigger call for him to start, if not next Saturday at Tottenham, certainly within the, the two games after that. He's obviously, you know, we all mentioned it, but you know, I spoke to James Starkovsky afterwards in the yeah. week's owner, and he was quite keen to put a cross, you know, the Everton can't afford that this one result, you know, ruin the season. They can't afford that, you know, derail the hard work that they, they put in so far this season. Yeah. And, as you know, they've got to bounce back. And that's important for Everton, is that they can't let one defeat roll into two and then three and, and all of a sudden they, they, they the hard work has seemingly slipped away and they find themselves three or four more places down the table where everyone starts getting a little bit nervous. Yeah, especially with the the two games as Paul just mentioned, they're back to back away matches. You know, to, you know, in the space of four days, that's one for us to come on to obviously next week in the podcast. But yeah, we are fully aware that Tottenham Hotspur and Newcastle are night away on 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 the horizon. Um <coughs> Interesting because uh, those games last season, obviously, I think Tottenham was the um, like the watershed moment for Frank when he became um, a lot more pragmatic. Uh, it was me and Adam Jones down there that night, and thankfully Tottenham suited the Clare at five. I mean, quite early in the second <laughs> half, it was you were kind, yeah. Could have been a lot worse. It was, but again, it was a game that Everton had started well, looked positive first five minutes or so, and the wheels just came off. I think it was after that night Lampard was clever enough and he certainly showed that he wasn't stubborn. You know, stuck in his ways has been previous Everton managers, good or bad, uh, you know, for contrasting ways, you know, Roberto Martinez and Sam Allardyce, chalk and cheese in terms of football and approaches, but they weren't, they they ultimately fell down because they couldn't deviate from that one way of football that they wanted to play. Obviously, Martinez too pretty and Allardyce too attritional. Whereas Lampard had come in with his own footballing philosophies and was like, well, look, for now, we're in the relegation dogfight and can't carry on like this. So going back to Tottenham again, you want to put on a, a much better show than that. I mean, hopefully it won't be difficult to do better than that, but whether that's enough to avoid defeat. And then, as you say, Newcastle United are always a tough one um, in, in, in midweek. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, though, because I think that Everton necessarily in poor form after last night, but they're just two tough fixtures whenever you play them um, throughout the season. So, yeah, it's a big test coming up now, the, these two games in, in the next uh, week week or so, and uh, you'd like to hope they can get at least something from those. Well, you know, these issues where they're a big test, and I think it's also a big test in terms of backing up the squads. You know, you, 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 you know, speak to Evan plays and they do a lot of interviews, and one thing they're always quick to get across is, you know, how the mindset's different, you know, they're, they're, they're not mentally stronger than probably the way last season, obviously, sailed on the roads and stuff like that. But these, you know, certainly looking ahead just to, to Saturday, you know, this is a real test is to see how, how strong they are because they've got to bounce back from, from that defeat last night and, and put in a show in that, you know, it might not be enough to, to get all three points, but it's certainly far better than them just rolling over and, and kind of almost performing like they did last night with a lack of energy, lack of a bit of intensity and a simply second best. Yeah, yeah. It was like 
those performances like that 5-0 at Tottenham and even the, the one at Newcastle but sadly you know early on in Frank Lampard's reign it was 3-1 but it could have been a lot more than that given the former St Maximum was in that night we can't be seeing that we've and we've certainly not seen that this season as I say I, you, you were both spot on I agree with you about like the intensity wasn't there they were just a bit off bit flat last night but to the credit when it's 2-1 and you're playing poorly, you've just got to hang in on the game, and by hook or by crook, we did that, and like, you know, if that game may have gone on two or three more minutes, you never know, we might have nicked one, because we, we generally did look like scoring in the, in, you know, in the uh, the injury time, so credit to them for keeping going towards the end, but yeah, it's going to have to be back to the wall, isn't it? That'd be, I, I even though Tottenham this season, I think, even though some of them, they're obviously having an excellent season, aren't they, but I've read a few things from their supporters, I don't think it's flowing football that they're seeing down there, but that's Conte, he's a winner, isn't he, I think he puts uh, results, uh, you know, he puts results over style, uh, but I don't think, I think we'd be foolish uh, to go there, all guns blazing, really, I think we've got to be, we've got to keep it tight, and I just think, you look at it, we've took six points out of the last nine, and I think, looking ahead, looking before those games against West Ham, Southampton, Man United, you probably would have taken it, wouldn't you? I think it's fair to say you're getting six out of nine. And I think if we could get, I don't want to sound negative, but if we can get at least one out of these next two over that kind of five-game spell, it's not too bad. It's not too bad given the, the standard of fixtures. It's just, it's a test of the squad and I think it's a test of us as a, as a supporters as well, really, because it's not being negative again. It's not being pessimistic, but you could come out of these two games with defeats and it's, as as you like you said earlier, Chris, like progress isn't always a straight line, as Frank Lampard's uh, attested to. I think we've got to look at the bigger picture here. But so for me, over these next two games, I, I appreciate that going to be big underdogs, certainly, certainly on Saturday and probably at Newcastle as well, given how well they're playing. It's the performance levels for me. Hopefully, go and get something. But there's got to be progress compared to those two games against Tottenham and Newcastle last year, where we were, you know, we were well beaten. Right, gents, we will leave it there. I think we've chewed the fat enough over that performance on Sunday afternoon. But, of course, we will be back on Friday to preview the game against Tottenham and look back on Frank Lampard's press conference to, to preview that game as well. And also, you know, just discuss and dissect all the latest Everton news. Who knows, there might be another takeover story out by then. <laughs> it seems we're on a weekly basis or some sort of weekly takeover update. So there might be another one by, by the time we record. But for today, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.